Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings in one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams and I, are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, December 14th. What have you been watching this week? I, I, I assume, Aaron, given as busy as you've been, you haven't been watching a hell of a lot. No, I haven't. I've been watching my cursor uh, splice waveforms into piles and then put music beds underneath them and wrapping up like little Christmas presents and sending them out to clients for the mad, mad holiday rush because everyone happens to forget that Christmas comes right after Thanksgiving. They go, oh, wait a minute. That's this month. Oh, I need a commercial. Mr. Commercial Man, could I have a commercial, please? If it's any consolation, just today, Len and I recorded three podcasts to try to get ahead of the holidays, and this one we're doing right now will be my fourth, so... You sound a little raspy like you've been chatting today. Well, trying to get the energy level up, but that said, uh, Aaron and I do have a lot to talk about this week, news-wise, and as always, the news portion of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, for a worry-free travel experience every time... Please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Let's start off with some some happy news. Uh, did you see the news about the National Film Registry? I have not seen the news. Please inform me of this news. Well, all right. Ever since its inception back in 1988, the National Film Registry, which is the part of the Library of Congress, recognizes 25 films every year for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. This year, the MCU film that started it all, the original Iron Man, which was released to theaters back in May of 2008, was one of the 25 films that the Librarian of Congress singled out for being special. And to which uh, Martin Scorsese went, phooey. <laughs> That's probably very true. On the other hand, Kevin Feige, in a statement released earlier today, said... Iron Man was the very first film Marvel Studios independently produced. It was the first film where we had all of the creative control and oversight on and really was make or break for the studio. All of our favorite movies are the ones we watch over and over again and, and we grew up with. And the notion that here we are, almost 15 years after the release of Iron Man, and to have it join the, the National Film Registry tells us that it stood the test of time and that, that it's meaningful to audiences around the world. And Iron Man is in rather special company this time around. For some of the other films that got recognized for 2022 for the National Film Registry are Disney's animated The Little Mermaid, Rob Reiner's When Harry Met Sally, John Waters' Hairspray, Brian De Palma's Carrie, and even Stanley Doan's uh, Charade from 1963. Which, given how, how fond I am of the original Iron Man, I just love that it made this list. My, what an honor to be placed right there next to the prestigious fake orgasm of Meg Ryan in the middle of a diner, <laughs> followed by that line, I'll have what she's having. I'm sure the uh, Downey Jr. family must be proud. By the way, uh, Miss, I'll have what she's having. That's Estelle Reiner, uh, Rob Reiner's mom, and Carl Reiner's wife. So, okay. a little bit All of right. trivia there. Okay, while we're talking about Robbie Downer Jr., I want to call people's attention to Senior, a documentary that debuted on Netflix back on December 2nd. This is a celebration of Robert Downey Sr., Robert Downey Jr.'s dad, 
who was an acclaimed filmmaker of his own right back in the day. And if, if you don't believe me, the, please check out Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Senior. Damn it, I knew I'd do that. Uh, <laughs> Robert Downey Sr.'s 1969 satirical comedy, Putney Swope, which sent up Madison Avenue. Oh, and by the way, that film was selected by the Librarian of Congress for the National Film Registry back in 2016. So nice little family connection going here. Senior, which is directed by Jim Smith, is basically a love letter that Robert Downey Jr. put together to celebrate his dad and his dad's career. And if you're looking for something different to watch this holiday season, please check that Netflix documentary out. Kind of disappointing news coming from John Krasinski. Krasinski is out doing publicity right now for season three of Jack Ryan. And Adam Chitwood of The Wrap, uh, that's the online trade that keeps our buddy Drew Taylor employed, asked John if after his well-received performance as Reed Richards in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, whether he'd be reprising this role in any future MCU films. And Krasinski responded to this question by saying, there haven't been any discussions at all. The only discussion that I've ever had with the folks at Marvel happened during the second to last week of production on Jack Ryan. Uh, Kevin Feige called and said, would you ever fly to L.A. and come play in our sandbox for a day? And John went on to say, I was honored to do it. I flew right from Budapest when we wrapped and went right to the Doctor Strange set. I'm a big fan of these characters in that world. So to get to play in that science sandbox even for a day was a big thrill. Marvel's Fantastic Four reboot is still quite a ways away. That isn't due to arrive in theaters till February 14th, 2025. So there's enough time to ask Krasinski to come back and, and reprise his role as, as Reed Richards. But I kind of have a feeling that, that it's tainted goods now there for that particular actor. I mean, he's, he was hired to play the smartest man in the world and then got turned into spaghetti within like 30 seconds of his introduction. How do you come back from that successfully? That's a, that's a tall order there. That's an interesting way of viewing that. And yeah, I, mean, I guess, you know, all the king's horses and all the king's men, but uh, right. all right, never mind. Speaking of the Fantastic Four, who, by the way, the arch nemesis was and is, of course, Doctor Doom. Did you see the story where Doctor Doom is supposed to make his MCU debut in Marvel's Thunderbolts, which, by the way, is still slated to, to arrive in theaters July 26, 2024? Yeah, that sent me down a deep, dark path of inspirational fantasy wishing, and, and, and it'll never come true. But what I really hoped for was uh, when I saw that they're going to introduce Doctor Doom, I was like, wouldn't it be great mm -hmm. if before we got to Fantastic Four as a movie, we had a solo Doctor Doom movie where he was almost playing the good guy? from his perspective mm -hmm. and from the audience's perspective and the fantastic four just screwed up his day, whatever it was like, they were the bad guys in the background and he's like, I'm going to get those sons of if it's the last thing I do. And then we get the Fantastic Four movie completely from the perspective of the Fantastic Four movie where they run into Dr. Doom from his solo movie and, and you see why they're after him and like how everything starts, but you can root for both of, them if you see the solo movie and then you have a, a climactic final showdown which is doom versus the fantastic four and you can go into the theater and li literally root for either side to win and be okay with that i think that would be so awesome but it'll never happen lots of of places where marvel stuff is going now and that could actually be kind of cool yeah just to circle back to this this thunderbolts rumor uh, just so you know this appearance 
will not be just some glorified cameo or a throwaway mid credit scene. Supposedly, the finale of Thunderbolts is set in the Latveria? Is that? Yeah. Okay. So the- that's the kingdom. So, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, Disney did villains, mm-hmm. you know, with Maleficent. Mm-hmm. Come on, give us a Doctor Doom movie. You can do a solo villain movie and make it work. I know you can do the formula. Okay. And I think Doom's worthy of, of that responsibility. I don't know. I, he's, he's a big enough baddie that could carry that weight. Well, I, I, for me, what, what's fascinating, if this pans out, the idea is that for the last half hour or thereabouts in Thunderbolts, Dr. Doom is, you know, again, it's it's these characters going into Letraria and him responding to that. And by the way, we were talking just last week uh, about Kevin Feige at that fan event in, in Brazil, I think, CCXP 2022. Mm-hmm. At that panel, he brought up the fact that phase five of the MCU begins with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, and ends with Thunderbolt. So if Doom is coming in, being introduced in this film, it's significant. Especially if that's where the ending point is for the phase. Like, that's like almost an exclamation mark you when you're using your punctuation and your language mm-hmm. there. And and the thing is, if uh, they've already, you know, obviously announced the cast for Thunderbolts, because we've already been introduced to all the main characters, but we still don't know who's going to be playing Doom. Mm-hmm. No, we do not. I hope that uh, news is going to be forthcoming coming in the very, very near future. There's been the talk of Adam Driver, and I don't... Did you see the... No, you know, no, because he's already done the thing with the mask and playing the bad guy that stalks around menacingly in, in the Star Wars stuff. I mean, you know, what about John Hamm? Come on, we need a handsome man that needs to be scarred up and made to go, oh, I need a mask because I'm hideous. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, look at, oh, uh, by the way, also at that event in Brazil, Feige uh, went on to say that the Ant-Man franchise is now the peak of the MCU, that with the debut of Quantum Mania, and in particular, given that this is the film that brings Kang the Conqueror to the fore, so to speak. Sure. Pay attention to this one, kids. This is this is going to be significant. Also, last week, we shared a rumor about Echo, the limited series that Marvel Studios has in development as a follow-up to last year's Hawkeye limited series. And people were talking about how the show appeared to be having problems in post-production, that rumor appears to be true. Uh, Echo showrunner Marion Derry, during a recent appearance on the Writers Panel podcast, revealed that this limited series for Disney+, Plus, which had previously been announced as being ready to air for September, or excuse me, summer of 2023, has now been pushed back to December of next year. And there's some other additional rumors that evidently Feige took a look at the early cut of this. And I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but supposedly what Kevin has ordered up is a additional shoot with scenes of Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock Daredevil character with the idea that Echo will now help set up season one of Daredevil Born Again, which is now slated to debut on Disney's streaming service in 2024. So is that bad news or? I mean, no, I mean, anytime you get reshoots, they're only going to fix it and make it it better. It's not like they're going to screw it up and make it worse with extra footage, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I I have seen a few comments on Twitter and some people are just, you know, making the the ha-ha joke, but... Mm. 
with the addition of Daredevil into Echo, they're like, are we going to get a scene where these two are trying to communicate with one another? Because he can't see her sign language and she can't hear him talk. And we, get, we come to an impasse where we just have them awkwardly standing around looking at each other like, I don't, I don't know what you want from me. I'm just going to leave. Wow. I, I like that. Oh, 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 again, while chatting with this friend from L.A. who was bringing me updated about what's going on in Echo, he directed my attention to the official For Your Consideration webpage, where out ahead of the 2023 Academy Awards, which, by the way, next year are going to be held on Sunday, March 12th, which, uh, by the way, my 64th birthday, just in case you're asking. But Disney and Marvel Studios are seriously already campaigning, asking Academy members to please consider Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, and Black Panther, Wakanda Forever for Best Picture next year. Seriously. Okay, so let's take a step back and, and examine the, the hows and whys of this. Normally, uh, a, a superhero movie just wouldn't be considered because it's uh, kid stuff, mm -hmm. right? However, you're making people fly. You're making them go through different dimensions. You, you can't do that. And have it look of of crap, mm -hmm. and and make hundreds of millions of dollars the way they do. They're some of the finest craftsmen in the special effects industry, in the stunt work industry, in the directing portion of of that arena. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got a level talent all the way across the board. Mm -hmm. Why can't the Academy acknowledge this as saying it is actually peak filmmaking? From the finest. And it's worth also noting here that if we jump back to 2019, Black Panther, the original Black Panther, was the very first superhero movie to score a Best Picture nomination. Didn't win. Took home three Academy Awards. Best Production Design, Best Costume Design, I'm blank in the other one. And to your point, if you drill down into the For Your Consideration page, Yes, Marvel Studios is going out on all three of these projects, is going after best visual effects, best costume designs, best sound design. So, yes, all of the things you, you seriously brought up are, are things mm -hmm. they are pushing for awards for. But again, that's largely below the line. There is serious consideration right now to mounting an effort to go after a su best supporting actress award for Angela Bassett for her performance as Queen Ramonda. And Disney's thinking is Bassett has previously been up for an Academy Award. And, you know, right. just sometimes it's, you know, to the effect of, okay, she was up and she didn't win previously. And we love her work. We love her career. And sometimes that's enough to get somebody an award. After Black Panther Wakanda Forever came out and everyone was raving about Angela Bassett's work. Mm -hmm. And I saw the movie and I went, yeah, she was great. But like, did you guys forget that she was an awesome bomb ass actress from day one to begin with? I mean, yeah, she did good, but she's always done good. No, she has. Always, always, always. Mm -hmm. So why are we surprised? I mean, I, I was surprised but how many people were surprised that she gave a great performance as a strong, powerful woman. I mean, come on. That just makes sense. So yeah, she she did fantastic work. I was not surprised by it though, the fact that she did fantastic work. And now the question is, is it is it worthy of an Oscar? What what else are we going to compare it to? Have we got anyone else uh that's been campaigning for best uh was it 
uh, best supporting actors. Supporting, okay, yeah, supporting mm-hmm. actors. Yeah, do we have any other supporting actresses that have been nominated lately that we could compare and contrast to today, or do we have to wait a few more weeks or months to get closer to that I th- award? I think we, we, we at least need to wait till the other side of, of Christmas. We, we have a, a number okay. of film. you know, traditionally this is the time of year that the very last projects come over the transom. Well, did Letitia Wright, she's not, did she get nominated for anything, or are they pushing her in, in, up for anything right you now? You know, I haven't heard anything to that effect. In fact, what was kind of funny, uh, the friend at Disney was suggesting, giving that Angela, in fact, I think we talked about this on last week's show, was out there complaining about, I read the script and I die. You know, it's just sort of like, you know, well, this would be a lovely consolation prize. You die, but you got the Oscar. If you're trying to make a safe bet, you know, to the effect of if we put our money on Angela Bassett, we put together a smart campaign. She's previously come close to winning an Oscar. It's a feather in the cap for if they win for Marvel Studios, for Disney. So anyway, uh, moving on to the really big news this week, of course, is the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse trailer that dropped just yesterday. And when Aaron and I get back from this break, we'll discuss this early look at Sony Pictures' big release for June of next year. Oh, when we were pre-gaming tonight, you were talking about James Gunn, who's had an interesting week to 10 days when it comes to the DC fan base, hasn't he? Right. Yeah, no, he's, he's picked up a new habit called juggling. Uh-huh. And he's just got to keep all of those balls in the air. And some of those balls are just labeled fans. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if they're labeled a Marvel fan or a DC fan. But, man, they're going to hound you and they're going to keep you busy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, now that he's got his new role over at DC, there's rumors about what's going to stay, what's going to go. And, you know, it was last week that there was a story about, uh, I think it was Wonder Woman 3 is no longer a up for uh, being made at the moment, or at least not with Patty Jenkins in the script well, that they had. Now, what's kind of interesting is Patty Jenkins just today, I want to say, uh, got on social media to share her side of the story. And, and what was fascinating is that James Gunn actually responded and said, look, all of my dealings with you at the studio have been personable and professional, you know, that doesn't have an issue. It right. just, right. evidently there was some pushback at Warner's about Jenkins' vision for the third Wonder Woman film. And mm-hmm. she revealed that the, the Rebels Squadron film, a Rogue Squadron yeah. film, uh, that, that she was working on for Lucasfilm is still a go. It, in fact, supposedly it was one of these things where she was working on Rogue Squadron, Warner Brothers announced, we want Wonder Woman 3 faster than we originally talked. And she turns to Kathleen Kennedy and said, hey, can I go and, and work on Wonder Woman 3? But as soon as I get done with that, I'll come back and make this, this Star Wars film. And they're like, absolutely. So with Warner Brothers now saying, well, I'm not sure we want that version of Wonder Woman 3. It's like, well, cool. I, I, I happen to have a deal with Lucasfilm and I will go back and make Rogue Squadron. Thank you. Right. So not necessarily bad news all the way around the barn. And Gunn has been basically playing whack-a-mole when it comes to the rumors in the fan community about what is and what is not going forward in the DC universe. And I have to say some of the stories that have leaked out are kind of like, oh, I would have maybe wanted to actually see that. Did, did you see, for example, the Batman Beyond 
stuff where they were talking about how it was Michael Keaton who was going to be playing an elderly uh, Bruce Wayne. But the interesting thing is, in addition to that, his love interest was going to be Michelle Pfeiffer coming back. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, and you start talking like that and all the fans are going to be like, of course we want to see yeah, that. You know, but James is, is the guy who's got to walk into the bill. Well, I think you were explaining it really well about, you know, the challenges that folks are, are dealing with in the streaming sphere. Please explain. Okay. Well, on the streaming side, things are just crazy. And, and you know, you're seeing the, the shifts happen so fast. Mm-hmm. And some of the decisions, I think, you know, are bean counter decisions and not programming decisions. So we'll get to the nuts of it right now. We'll start off like Netflix, mm-hmm. for example, released Glass Onion, the Knives Out sequel into theaters. It was only 600 theaters for only one week, and it made $15 million. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad chunk of change for a week's run, right? All true. And so, you know, the thought process is, well, maybe the streaming services, like if you look at Disney Plus and they've got this legendary, you know, $1.5 billion debt mm-hmm. because they make all this juicy content for us, but they're not making all the monies back that they need to, to make it profitable. What if they would start shoveling some of this stuff back over into theaters a little bit more regularly? I mean, there have been some things that have gone straight to Disney Plus. What if you just put it in theaters for a a red hot minute, made it a a very special one week only premiere or something like that, Mm -hmm. but give it a run so you can make a few bucks off of it and then let it land over on your, on your streaming service and make your money again that way. Um, now, Zaslav, mm-hmm. news just this week over at Discovery, or I'm sorry, Warner Brothers Discovery, mm-hmm. that uh, Zaslav was going to be pulling Westworld and The Nevers off of HBO Max. So if you go to the, click on it and watch it, it just won't be there anymore. I'm not talking about it got canceled. Yeah, it got canceled, but they're also going to remove it from the service itself, which that seemed crazy. Like, why would you do that? And so there's a couple of different things that could possibly happen Mm -hmm. with this maneuver. One of them is um, there's the potential of a Warner Brothers Discovery free service that is is paid for by ad Mm -hmm. revenue, right? So you just watch some commercials while you watch your heroes and that's how you you pay for your your subscription. And that may be something where they take some of their content over from HBO Max and they shovel it over to this other thing. It could be their Warner Brothers or their DC content that they they move over there. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it could also be a thing where in the case of there is a, an animated Batman project that they were going to, you know, sell the rights to Amazon to to run that animated show over there. Mm-hmm. And it's like they could do something like that with Westworld where they just go, hey, everyone needs content. Would you like to buy some of ours? Now, the problem I have with that is you weaken the value of HBO Max as a pay-for subscription service because, you know, uh, Westworld had violence, it had nudity, it had swear words, it had all those, you know, gritty little things that you go for to uh, a pay subscription for, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get it on on your ABC, NBC, and CBS uh, broadcast. So the idea that you're taking content away, it weakens HBO Max. If you if you keep it in-house for a different thing, why, if you're having problems with one service, why would you split it up into two and have two week services? It just, I would put all my, my eggs into the one basket and, you know, then do a thing where you can add, add subscriptions or add ads to the thing to lower the fee. But 
they've got to figure out a balance there. And so with the way that the Warner Brothers Discovery is moving, the last question that seems to boggle my mind the most is, if, you, if you're so eager to have an MCU-like thing for your own DC universe, and you hire a James Gunn to be your Kevin Feige figurehead, and you put him in place to build a collective, uh, you know, gather everything together in one pile and make everything cohesive. Why in the hell are they selling things like an animated Batman series to Amazon? Why would you put it all into one pile and make a nice shiny hole and then break it again and sell it off to the highest bidder? That makes no sense. The Batman series that you're talking about, which, by the way, people are saying is the best thing since... Batman the Animated Series back in 92. You know, the problem is that, you know that whole thing when a, a new person comes into a studio and it, it's kind of the, you know, you ever hear the They story? have to get rid of everything the person before them there did okay. and then everything's now my choice and it wasn't theirs. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But Okay, I would love it if that, that was not what James Gunn was doing, but... Okay, so, like, let me just say that you, you just made a, a very wonderful sentence of Batman, this animated Batman is, like, the mm -hmm. most wonderful yep. animated Batman thing yep. ever. And and that's what's being talked about before the, the thing comes out, before it's right. released. That's the buzz. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you want that for HBO Plus if you were like, oh, man, our thing is broken. If only we had a wonderful thing would draw all eyes to us. By the way, boss, we've got the hottest thing since sliced bread. We'll throw that... <laughs> away what's it hey amazon you want some hot toast apparently people have a thing for toast you want it i i, I get it's it. dumb just dumb i have been covering the entertainment industry since 1984 and this is the thing you 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 see incredibly bright passionate people make bad call after bad call on the other hand, you, you sometimes see really clever people do smart things, like something cool Sony is doing next year to help us get excited about this Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse sequel, which is present that 2019 Academy Award winner, remember, that year it took home the Oscar for, for Best Animated Feature, in front of a live orchestra. So Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse live in concert is going to premiere at the King's Theater, and I love this, Brooklyn, New York, on Friday, mm -hmm. March 17, 2023. Tickets go on sale for this event on Friday, December 16th, the very day this, this podcast goes live. This sounds like a wonderful event. You know, to get to see that film back up on the big screen and see the music played by a live, or hear the music played by a live orchestra. Uh, we now pivot to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Teaser trailer dropped, gives us an early look at this Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin Thompson film. On previous shows, Aaron, we've already discussed that this sequel, The End of the Spider-Verse, will feature six different animation styles. It will also be setting up this trilogy's finale, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, which won't arrive in theaters till March 29, 2024. And just this week, Kemp Powers, in an interview in Total Film, revealed who the villain of Across the Spider-Verse and Beyond the Spider-Verse will be. And it will be The Spot. Are, are you familiar with this Spider-Man villain? <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's got a, a white uh, like you know jumpsuit or whatever with black polka dots all over it, 
And uh, like if you punch him, uh, like if <laughs> this was so mm-hmm. funny, uh, Spidey would like punch the spot in the face, but like there'd be the polka dot would appear in the face and Spidey's fist would go th- into the spot and then like his fist would come out, out of a different spot, like a portal and end up punching himself. Ooh. As a result, yeah, no, he's a crazy like sea level character that was usually a joke of a, a bad guy. You know, it's like, oh great, it's the spot, wahoo! So I bet that they are going to use him to full and wonderful effect, and people are going to go, oh, the spot, what a great character, and he'll become popular as soon as this movie is over. In this interview with Total Film, Kemp was quoted as saying, The Spot is an interesting villain because he seems like a joke, just as you just said. But when you really look at his powers, there's incredible potential. His ability to open portals across dimensions sets him up perfectly for the Spider-Verse. He's the villain of the next two films. And let's just say that The Spot and Miles are connected in surprising ways. Okay, so Mm, let's talk about your impressions of this teaser trailer. Well, for that, uh, we're going to do a cross-promotion, and I'll say, uh, I'll quote everything that Drew Taylor said in the last episode of Fine-Tuning, so go back to that and listen to that, and, and you'll know exactly how I feel. Thank you, Drew. You've summed it up perfectly. Wow. Okay. Um, all right, maybe I'll give a little bit more than that. I, I do agree with Drew that the structure of the trailer was a bit odd. I really didn't dig Mom just sitting there talking, narrating throughout the whole thing about you know, how Miles can be anywhere and, and whatever. I mean, it never felt necessary to to have, like, that. He, he's already built mm-hmm. up, you know? He knows who he is now. He's confident as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He's had his first big adventure. This seemed like a talk that Mom should have had in, in the first movie somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the first half of the trailer was flashbacks from the first movie. So... For most of this trailer, I did not care at all about it. I was just like, all right, I'm waiting for something to happen. And then they showed me all the Spider-Man in the universe. Yeah. And uh, then it was like, okay, can you play Where's Waldo times a thousand? (laughs) In a field of Waldos, which Waldo's your favorite? Is it the one with the vertical stripes or the slightly sideways stripes? It's so interesting you say that because, again, for the last day or so, the web has been filled with articles about these are the Spider-Man we spotted in the Across mm-hmm. the Spider-Verse, you know, a teaser trailer. And and yeah, it is considerable. Obviously, you mentioned Miles Morales. We have Miguel O'Hara, who we met at the very tail end of Into the Spider-Verse, uh, Spider-Man 2099. But uh, likewise, we're getting Peter B. Parker back. But then there are Spider-Men here that I only know because people who wrote the articles about what they saw. Like, were you aware of the bombastic Bagman? Well, of course. Uh, we, we we chatted about him on an episode. It's uh, where he was in the in the olden days of comics. He broke into the Fantastic Four headquarters. Something happened to his suit and mask and whatnot. And the Fantastic Four loaned him a Fantastic Four suit. But he had a secret identity and they didn't have any masks because they don't have secret identities. So they gave him a paper bag and they cut a couple holes in it for eyes. And then you saw a Fantastic Four person with a bag over his head swinging on spider webs throughout New York City for a couple of days. And that's the story of Bombastic Bagman. I was looking for him and someone, one of our faithful listeners, pointed me to a Funko Pop Uh, of Bombastic Bagman. So I do, in fact, have a Funko Pop of Bagman downstairs. But but here's the other thing. You know, I mean, this went so deep. Just from, from the gaming 
world. Mm-hmm. We had retro gaming Spider-Man. We had PS1 Spider-Man. We had Now, wait a minute. Was retro gaming Spider-Man, was that the Atari one where Spider-Man was essentially uh, four blue pixels and three red pixels? Oh. Because that was my first Spider-Man that I ever played. Okay, okay. Now I got to go back and look and see if he's there. <laughs> okay, that would be the Atari Spider-Man okay, the, specifically. Okay, the, the okay. Atari Spider-Man. But, uh, okay. but again, we have PS1 Spider-Man, not to be confused with the PlayStation Spider-Man. And then right. if we, we move to the international sphere, we have Spider-Man mm-hmm. or India, which is not to be confused with the Japanese Spider-Man. But the one that everyone just shows up on every single list because evidently some people are just so thrilled to see this variation. The Werewolf Spider-Man of Earth 7085. Evidently, he's in the background, but there just is no mistaking. Oh, my God, it's a Werewolf Spider-Man. Also, when it comes to the fairer sex, this film doesn't leave out Spidey either. We've got uh, Gwen Stacy as Spider-Gwen. We've got Jessica Drew, uh, which I think you pointed out, the Spider-Woman. But we also have Mayday Parker, Peter's daughter, mm-hmm. Lady Spider, uh, <laughs> not to be confused with Six-Armed Spider-Woman, uh, along with Mary Jane and Annie Parker. So now, wait a minute, i got to remember, and, and I'm totally forgetting right now, In uh, there was Earth-X uni- and Universe-X and Paradise-X, mm-hmm. a series that Alex Ross had mm-hmm. done, and it was like all of the variations of the universes come together. And so you kind of had the same many spiders mm-hmm. happening at the same mm-hmm. time. And it turned out that in one of universe, uh, Gwen Stacy survived and Peter and Gwen got married and had a daughter. And then in the other universe, Gwen died and Peter married MJ and they had a mm-hmm. daughter. And when the daughters found out that they were both spider girls, they're like, sisters! And so we had two spider women, and I can't remember which one is which, but I want to know if one is Mayday and the other one is Annie. Well, I you know, that That's the thing. I, I think we're going to have to wait till June to see which of these actually makes the cut. In a weird sort of way, what's so funny is just last week, we got the first real teaser trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie. And kind of the same thing happened with all of the variations on Donkey Kong. And with this trailer, it's like, oh, there's Superior Spider-Man. Not to be confused with Spider-Man Unlimited or, for that matter, the advanced suit Spider-Man. And let's, of course, not forget about Spider-Monkey. Is it wrong of me to to miss Spider Ham and all of this? I, I absolutely really... no. I mean, he, he it's Spider Ham is a a national treasure. Mm-hmm. It should be next to the Declaration of Independence, a little sketch of Spider Ham, I believe. And uh, you know, to have him voiced by John Mulaney was great oh, because I mean, he's got such a dry, wonderful mm-hmm. delivery that you just can't beat. And, uh, you know, Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir was, you know, with the Rubik's Cube. I will figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there was just so much good stuff. I honestly, I didn't see Man Spider. So I'm like, yeah, wake me up when you see a six-time Man Spider coming out. That's what I'm here for. You got all 94 of them, but you forgot number 95 for me. <laughs> well, like I said, we're, we're not going to know for sure, folks, till June 2nd of next year, which who actually made the cut and who's a cameo and, and who's a, a character that actually carries plot or has dialogue. I mean, yeah, I think the smart thing about the whole trailer, I mean, like I said, the first half I didn't care for so much because it 
just seemed like a waste. But the second half was the, them just going, look at this display of magnificent spider peoples. And that's all. They didn't have any hint of storyline, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing that would give away any plot or secret or MacGuffin or anything like that. Just spider people. And yep. everybody's going mad, you know, like we said, doing the Where's Waldo, picking out their favorite, which is fine because now when you show the the very you know, the 32 variations of spider flavors that you've got, like Baskin Robbins, mm-hmm. uh, then people can go, oh, I like chocolate. Oh, I like vanilla. But everyone's going for a scoop of ice cream that day, right? That's a great analogy, the Baskin Robbins thing. And we just have to wait for June of next year for the, that big bowl of ice cream to find right. out what all the flavors are there. Folks, that, that's basically going to do it for this week, though I do want to tease our next edition of Marvelous Disney, which will involve Aaron and I looking back at 2022 and all of the Marvel-related news that, that that happened over the past year. But till then, you, of course, can follow Aaron on social media. And, and, and where, where can folks do that, Aaron? Oh, same old place we've always been, at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. I'm trying to be uplifting, offer words of encouragement and advice, you know, learn things along the way. So, you know, little tips and tricks that will help you along the way. For example, when I was young, Mm -hmm. I was incredibly poor. (laughs) However, after decades of hard work, I am no longer young. (laughs) I don't know why I fall for (laughs) Okay. Well, all right. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. If you get head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend the show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney, that would be helpful. If you really, really, really like what you heard, if you want to head over to Bandcats and subscribe, that will be helpful. And I think that's going to do it for this week. So thank you for listening, and we will be back soon.